0: If you don't know me, I'm Matt, by the way, uh, one of the pastors here at Liberty Church. Uh, we are going through a series in the book of Luke, uh, which is a, a, what we call a, a gospel account. It tells, in many ways, it's like an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Uh, so if you, are, uh, if you are joining us today, uh, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or you're not sure, you just don't know. Well, this is a great book to get yourself into. And we hope that as we go through this, these uh, different messages, they're gonna really serve you and bless you in uh, helping you to get to know more of Jesus. Uh, One of the things that we're doing is as we go through, we're looking at different meals, different times where Jesus sits down over a dinner table and spends time with people and teaches them while while he's there. So this is an opportunity for you to come and sit around the dinner table with Jesus and let him him speak to you. So I'm going to read that passage now. Uh, We're in chapter 14 of Luke. So I'm going to read uh, from verse 1 to verse 14 of Luke chapter 14. It says this, 1... Sabbath when he went to dinner this is talking about Jesus when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees they were watching him carefully and behold there was a man before him who had dropsy and Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not but they remained silent then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? They could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honour, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honour, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host's comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honoured in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He also said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let we pray, Jesus sweet, we thank you that when you, when you sit around the dinner table, again and again, we read these stories where you confront people, where you turn their worldviews upside down, where all their presuppositions, all their ways of thinking and doing things, you show them their flaws, their errors, and you paint a picture of a radical new powerful kingdom and we want to let this kingdom of yours penetrate right into our lives and shape us we want to live as as though what's really true about us affects our lives that we're now citizens of your kingdom we're citizens of heaven we're your children your sons and daughters and that changes everything we just pray that these wonderful truths will penetrate our lives and change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are so many things in our life that will promise instant satisfaction, instant gratification. And in the season that we've been living through over the last year, one of the most striking things is that so much of that has been stripped away So many things that we would usually go to to give us satisfaction are now denied to us. And lots of us are hungry for the more ordinary, regular things of life. We just want to go and see family. We want to go and hang out with our friends. We just want to do the normal things. There's something really wonderful that God has restored a hunger for that in our hearts. And many of the shiny, instant things have lost their appeal somewhat. That's a good thing. But beware that those things will return. And even now, there are still things in our life that all the time promise us a a hit, a moment. They, They promise us gain in the present, blessing in the present. And the Bible calls these things, Often it calls them idols, things that they, they promise us joy. They become godlike to us. They promise us fulfillment, but they don't deliver. And Jesus, in this book of Luke, that's one of the things we're going to look at today, is Jesus again and again confronts these idols and their seductive power, whether it's wealth, whether it's Uh, joy we might find in sex and sexuality and today Jesus hits on this question of of status of honour that for these people who were coming to this meal table they chose the seats of honour because they wanted status because they felt that would do something for them that there was a, a gain to be had in that in the present but the reality is these things that promise us instant present gain and benefit often leave us spiritually bereft, destitute broken, lost they don't satisfy they don't last and Jesus here today wants to talk to us, wants to talk to you about the desire for status for honour and in this culture that we're looking at, 2000 years ago this this was a big deal That shame and honor were two of the most powerful forces in culture. That to receive honor from those in your community, those in your family, was a big deal. And if you didn't get it, it was shameful. And that's the dynamic that would have been at play in these formal banquet meals that we keep seeing Jesus attend. He's been invited one here by one of the Pharisees, one of the religious leaders. And they're all vying for their position, for their status, because they want the honour. And to not receive that honour would leave them feeling full of shame. And what Jesus does in this story is he he tells a parable. We're not going to focus so much on the first six verses, but mainly from verse seven onwards. And Jesus tells a parable, which is a parable is a, a story that Jesus uses Uh, And he's he's speaking into what's actually happening at the dinner table around them. And he uses it to to deconstruct how they think. He uses it to undermine their pursuit, their desire for this this status, this false honour that they're searching after. And what he's showing us, what he's actually telling us is about, is the kingdom of God. That in Jesus' kingdom, there's a new better way of living, a new better way of living in community, a new better way of receiving honour, of giving status, of avoiding shame. And this passage is, is very much about that. Jesus is setting before us a new, a different kingdom culture. And what I want us to do today is look at this question of, uh, of leadership, which is Is applicable to all of us one reason I want to talk about it is because for us at Liberty Church later this year we'll appoint some men to be elders in the church so I want us to help lay some foundations for what leadership biblically is supposed to look like but the reality is we're all called to lead whether it's in your whether you're a parent uh, in your relationships in your workplace we're all called to lead in lots of different ways And of course, we're all called to lead ourselves as well, to point our hearts to Jesus, all of us in different ways. So, what I'll say today will be applicable for all of us. And first of all, I want to talk about how leaders are to put ourselves last. That's what Jesus is saying in this story, where they want to come and they want to grab the best seats around the table. Jesus flips that on its head and says, No, don't go for the best seats with the highest honor. Take the lowest seat instead. He talks about this uh, where he tells a similar story to his disciples in the end of the book of Luke in chapter 22. He says to them, We leaders are not to exercise lordship, taking a position of leadership, whether that's in the church or your workplace or your family. It's not about becoming the lord of the manor. It's not about being the boss man, the person in charge. He says, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. Let me say that again. The leader as the one who serves. Leaders put themselves last. They see themselves not as the greatest but as the one who's come to serve. And there are four ways that we can do this. Number one, we've got, we can, if we're not careful, we can become preoccupied with our status. It's a very easy thing to get into. And one of the ways we do that is by comparing ourselves to others. We see people around us and say, well, why, why have they got in and I haven't? Why are they doing that when I wanted to do that? Why have they been given that position when that's where I wanted to be? And we can spend our lives, if we're not careful, constantly bouncing ourselves off in comparison to others, comparing our life, our circumstances, comparing our wealth, our happiness, our family status, our relationship status. We see people's lives or the the superficial facade of them on social media. And we feel a sense of shame that our life doesn't look as glamorous as theirs. We don't get to go on as many wonderful journeys and adventures as they do. Comparison is a thief of joy. If you live your life constantly comparing yourself to others, you'll constantly be stealing joy away from your heart. And one of the ways we compare ourselves to others is around the issue of of access, of of status. Interesting, the last few weeks being here in Vondelkeric, looking across to the entrance to the park across the street, I'm sure many of you would be familiar with it. The, uh, it got so busy a few weeks ago that they locked the gates, and they left them locked for about 10 days. But each day, people would still come, and they'd rattle the gates. They'd try and fiddle with the lock. They'd climb over the fence. So the Jamente turned up, and they brought bigger fences that people moved the fences and climbed over those as well. So then they just brought more fences. They turned into this kind of barricade, this fortress that you couldn't get in. And yet, people still found their way into the park. It was amusing to watch people trying to do it. But there's something in the human heart that just, we just want access. We want to we be in. And there's something in our hearts that we want access to the, the inner circle, we want, we want to be in the know. We want to be part of the club. We want, we want the special knowledge that those people have, the special privilege, the status that those people are allowed. And to feel out of the loop, not in the know, makes us feel somehow diminished, somehow shamed, dishonored. And yet what Jesus is saying here is that that's just not true. That actually those who seat themselves at the lowest seat at the table, they will receive their honour at the right time. Whereas those who push themselves forward will often find themselves facing humiliation later on. Avoid comparison. The second one, resist seeking Signs of status, external signs of superior status or power or position. Because here in this story, it's seating position. Elsewhere in the book of Luke, in chapter 20, Jesus says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. They love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Jesus gives four signs, four signs that they would have used to show off their status. Long robes, greetings in the marketplaces, best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at feasts, which is what our story today is about. Now, we don't have the same signs. We We don't tend to show off our status by putting on a really big, long robe. I don't often wear robes these days. It's not part of my fashion style. We don't go around seating the places of honor at feasts. It's not really something that we tend to do. But we have other markers, other signs we use to show off our status, to show off our superiority. Might be things that we've accomplished, things that we've achieved, successes we've made. We live in an in a, in a, a achievement-orientated world. It's very much a western idol, we're always seeking more achievements, more notches, more things we've accomplished that we can show off. Sometimes we'll do that through education, we just want, we just want more letters after our name to prove our status, more PhDs to show ourselves off. There's nothing wrong with, it's a wonderful thing to, to get educated to receive knowledge, but if you use that as a, as a marker. To somehow prove yourself can be very dangerous. It's a, a desire within us, which Jesus addresses in this passage, to move up higher. We want to always want to move up higher because we want to often show something off. Another marker we use to show our, off our superior power or status is self-reliance. That's a very popular thing in our culture is that we want to solve the problems that come away our way ourselves. We don't want to receive help, because to show ourselves as, as needy, as weak, is weakness, is in a sense shameful, dishonorable, to allow in help. We avoid that as much as possible. But yet in the kingdom of God, weakness is often the key to growth. That Jesus calls us again and again to find our strength in him. To embrace those moments when we discover our weakness. When we just reach the end of ourselves. When we walk through seasons where we just feel completely lacking in pretty much everything. That's when Jesus is most at work. That's when he moves in in his power. That's when his grace reaches into the depths of our brokenness to rescue us out. See, God doesn't look at the, at the externals. In an honor-shame culture, which is the biblical world was very much like, increasingly our world is too, that being, being seen to do the right thing was often more important than actually doing the right thing itself. That's true in our world. Being seen to do the right thing, that external marker is often better than doing it itself. And yet God sees our motives. He sees our hearts. He sees our hidden desires and motivations and actions. Resist seeking external signs of status. Number three, run away from a, a craving for recognition. Now, praise, receiving praise from others isn't a bad thing at all, but it's it's a gift. Um, in the church family, we should be good at that. We should be good at giving out that gift of praise and encouragement to others. But it's always a gift we give. It's not something that we is our due that we that we have to have. There's nothing wrong with receiving the seat of honour around the table. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not a bad thing to get the seat of honour. But when you, when you demand it for yourself, when you demand recognition, when you, when you crave it, well, that's, that's just not how we see Jesus functioning in his life. Just not how he taught us to live. See, Jesus, he only entered his Father's glory when he'd completed his task, when he'd lived the life that God had called him to live, when God's timing was right. See, we live in a world, sadly, we live in a a world in the church even, where celebrity has become more and more of a powerful thing, and it's incredibly dangerous. It really is. And... So often seeing celebrity church pastors and leaders and authors and all of that, seeing them fall and make a mess of their lives, which happens far too often, sadly, it can leave us feeling quite bitter about it. It can leave us feeling that it's somehow inevitable this. it's going to happen to all people in positions of authority and leadership. But it doesn't have to be the case. The one thing we need to make sure we do, I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else, is resist that craving for recognition. Joe and I were talking earlier this morning, and we were talking about uh, people we've seen in our life who have served Jesus without anybody knowing it, or at least without having any platform, any status, any position to show off their successes. They're not in front of a camera. They're not on a stage every Sunday. They just humbly serve. We're trying to think of good examples to share with you all, but the reality is there's just, there's just too many to share. People that Joe and I have met in our own lives, people that have served us, that have given out to us so much, but yet none of you would have ever heard of them. People in our church family that week after week just humbly serve, just give themselves again and again for the body of Christ just love people sacrificially over and over again and yet they'd be to many of you hidden away you wouldn't know them or you just know that kindly warm face that would have welcomed you on a Sunday morning there's just so many people who've uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is desire to be like that any desire within you for fame just put it to death it's not that won't serve you Desire to be a hidden hero who serves Jesus. And if, if you find yourself in a position where suddenly you are known a bit more, that's, that's fine, don't despise that. But have a desire to serve in your heart. Run from a craving for recognition. Number four, it's important to decide what, what reputation is important to you For people in the culture that Jesus is speaking into, one of the greatest shames would be to lose your reputation with your family or your community. That's why they were seeking the positions of honor at the the table, because they didn't want to lose their reputation with those people in their community. Whereas today, we're very much motivated by the same thing. We don't want to lose our reputation, but whereas 2,000 years ago it would have been very much about your family, your parents, the community that you were placed in, nowadays it's much more about our, our peers, our friends, the people that see us on social media, the people in our workplaces. We, we move away from the values of our parents. We don't mind if we lose our reputation with our family but we dare not lose our reputation with our, with our friends. And all the time we, we nurture, we feed, we try and bolster our reputation to avoid any sense of embarrassment, to avoid any, any shame. And yet the thing we're not to be ashamed of, the Bible tells us, is the gospel. And that's it. And there'll be times in your life where if you really choose to follow Jesus, that may lead to you losing your reputation with your friends, your family, maybe people around you. May cause you embarrassment, and that's that's okay. Don't worry about lose, Don't worry about losing your reputation there. Just don't be ashamed of the gospel. That's what the Word of God teaches to us. Because often we feel that shame when we lose our reputation. We feel that shame as a, as a humiliation. But actually the only thing that will truly lead you out of humiliation is humility. That's what will lead you out of it. It's just coming humbly to Jesus and receiving his grace. Not trying to bolster, not trying to defend your reputation to others. Just come to Jesus. Let him lead you out. See, Jesus has put himself in the lowest place for us, choosing not to save himself so that he could save others. Leaders put themselves last. Leaders also put others first. Jesus said, for who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as one who serves. Jesus says that later on in the book of Luke. He goes further, and he's even saying in the story here, he says, don't don't try and find your seat at the table. Don't try and recline at the table. Just be one of the waiters. Jesus is saying that's what he came to do. He came to serve. And here at Liberty, we're... We're seeking servant-hearted leaders to help build a servant-hearted community. That's what one of our goals is, servant-hearted leaders. And you don't become servant-hearted just by serving. Because you can serve a lot, but still in your heart, be seeking, you're serving to show off yourself. You're serving to get some kind of status, honor for it. That's not, that's not what it is to be servant-hearted. That's something quite different. First of all, in helping put others first, one of the ways we do that is by seeing people as God sees them. Because so often when we see people around us, it's very, it's very easy to either see them as, as obstacles, people that prevent us from reaching our goals, to see them as, as competitors, people that, that threaten to take away our recognition, or perhaps to see them as, as tools, things we can use to serve our own needs. And yet what we should, how we should view the people around us, the people in your community group, the people you're sitting with watching this right now, the people in your workplace, is not as obstacles or competitors, but as fellow image bearers of God, as neighbors who are in need of mercy of people that you just are called to love and have compassion for. And if you're struggling to find compassion for maybe some difficult people around you, ask for it. Say to Jesus, look, I want to love these people, but I'm finding it hard at the moment. I want to see them as you see them, but I just, how? God will flood you with compassion for those people. We put others first by seeing people as God sees them. Next, we put others first by seeking to love people as shepherds and fathers. When we talk about this idea of eldership, it's a biblical uh, uh, concept that the Bible uses to explain leadership in the local church. Not all leadership, but particularly a, a shepherding, fathering role. And what we're looking for is not people who see themselves as CEOs or directors or board members, people who want to lord it over others. But when Jesus called Peter into ministry, you can read about it at the end of the book of John, he says to him, Feed my sheep. He says it to him three times. And he really wants to underline that's Peter, that's what you're called to. And Peter, if you go through the rest of the New Testament, ends up with quite a significant leadership responsibility in the church. But the mandate, the call he was given to by Jesus was to feed my sheep, just to be a shepherd, just to serve people, just to be a waiter at the table, putting food before them. That's the sort of leaders we're looking for in our church. People that, more than anything else, the main way that happens is by praying. We're looking for leaders who just want to pray. There's a group of us, a group of leaders here, who we meet every Thursday morning at half past six here in the Kirk. And if sometimes people join us online, we just we pray. That's what we do every week. That's the most important, for our leader team in this church, that's the most important meeting we have every week. It's our most important role and function is to pray to pray for all of you guys, to pray for the mission God's called us to in this city. Oh, there go my notes. Maybe that's God's sign for me to move on. Pray. Next one. Leaders put others first by giving away honour and privilege. See here, Jesus, he rebukes his guests for seeking these seats of honour but then he also goes on to talk to the host. And he tells him that he, doesn't, he won't secure his status by inviting all his friends, all the people of honour. He tells him to invite in the, the poor and the disabled and the blind and the needy. He says to him, give away your honour. Give away your privilege, your wealth, everything you've been blessed with. Invite in the needy people instead. And as leaders who put others first, that's what they do. They give away their honour, their insider status to those who are outside. We cheer people on. We want to see people go beyond us and past us. I had the privilege for a year of my life when I was 19 years old, living in a, a house for people who'd come out of prison who needed their next step in life. And it was run by this wonderful couple called... Dave and Tina, who they just loved people. Um, But because of that compassion in their heart, they they attracted needy people all the time. So the house was always full of people who were in need of help. People were a bit messed up and a bit broken. And personally, I found it exhausting. (laughs) Constantly having to be around people that were sucking the life out of you all the time. I found it so draining. But I learned so much by watching this couple and just how they... Uh, just loved people. There was nothing selfish in them at all. They just, they wanted to give away their whole life to bless others, invite people into their home. Their, their home was a place where ex-offenders, pri- people who come out of prison came to. That was where they lived. Just inviting people from all sorts of horrific backgrounds into their lives, around their dinner table. That they, This passage in Luke, they just lived it out. And... I've not seen them for 20 years, but they're probably still doing it now. Uh, I just, I want to be like that. I want to have that. That might not be practically how it looks for me, but I want to have that attitude in my heart. That I just want to give away what God has given me to see his blessing come to others. Finally, leaders put others first by seeking the age to come. Jesus says to this host, you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you a funny thing to say you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you it's not about money or reputation we're surrounded by companies corporations that are constantly trying to show off their virtues their values look at how how we think about this and that constantly showing off but God calls us not to do that he says you will be repaid you will be repaid for giving away your honour, your status by putting other people first, by sacrificially loving people, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. See, one day, all of us get to recline at table with Jesus. All of us are invited to sit around his meal table and to enjoy fellowship with him. And even right now, you're called to enjoy a relationship with him. There is honor to be had, status even to be had, but within the kingdom of God, as his sons and daughters. And we await, we, all of us, we await true honor from that host. He's the only one that moves us up higher, Jesus Christ. Let me finish by two verses from the book of Philippians. Jesus said here in Luke, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus lived that out. He says in Philippians 2, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him that is the name that is above every name. See, Jesus' death was the most shameful dishonouring thing that could have happened the most gruesome shameful way of dying there could be it wasn't wasn't an honourable death the whole process of crucifixion was designed to bring the maximum amount of shame and the least amount of honour yet in doing that Jesus takes our shame he's humbled so that we can be exalted with him He's taken away your guilt and sin and shame and given you his wonderful gift of grace in return. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for your your wonderful goodness to us. I can think of so many times in my own heart where I've wanted to pursue status, honor, reputation, recognition, and yet you never pursued any of those things. You just, you came to serve. And I just pray for all of us watching that you would, Holy Spirit, you would supernaturally put that desire in our hearts to again and again just commit ourselves just to serve, to serve others and to serve you. And we can only do that through your strength within us. So we pray strengthen us, help us, help us to receive your grace that's come to us you took all our shame and dishonor upon yourself. We just want to repent of our of all those times we sought recognition and fame and honor and status. We just want to repent and ask for your forgiveness and receive your grace today. In Jesus name. Amen.